0: Great to see you all. How good is it that we're able to sing again? Uh, there was a special dispensation given uh, on Friday night because it was the Archbishop of Sydney. Archbishop of Sydney is retiring, uh, and there was a service at uh, St Andrew's Cathedral, and uh, we were allowed to sing there. But I found I was out of practice. Uh, they have a choir there, and choirs are great for listening to. They're just really hard to sing along with, I find, because uh, they go off on all sorts of strange things. In any way. Uh, in, the, in the, one of the hymns we'd sung five verses and it got to the sixth verse and for some reason they like slowed down and did this other thing and I didn't realize I was just belting it out I was just so excited <laughs> until I realized Victoria and all the other people around me in the cathedral were just staring at me singing on my own while the well me and the choir so there you go so I hope you are better in practice than me let's uh, turn to Revelation 22 our last sermon in the uh, book of Revelation and uh, I'll pray as we begin Heavenly Father we thank you for this uh, part of your scriptures uh, that so often we find a little bit scary and daunting uh, but we thank you for the opportunity we've had to study it Uh, and we pray now that we would listen to these words uh, like we've just been encouraged to do in that Bible reading. We pray that we would listen to these final words and more than that we would live by them and we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. As I just said, all good things must come to an end and this week is the last week in the book of Revelation. Uh, I'm a bit sad about that. I don't know about you guys, you might be cheering, you might be going, oh great, how good is that? But I'm I'm a bit sad about it. Even though I have uh, loved preaching through Revelation though, I don't think I would ever say Revelation is my favourite book of the Bible. Uh, usually when I'm preaching through a book of the Bible, by about halfway through, it's become my favourite book just for the next little while until I start another book and then that becomes my favourite book. Uh, and you're used to me saying this in sermon series, this is my favourite book, and then going and saying it something else next time. Revelation is not my favourite book. And if it is your favourite book, I think there is something strange about you. I've just got to... <laughs> I've just got to say that. Uh, I hope your favorite book is one of the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. I hope it's Romans or the book of Psalms or something like that. I just sort of think if you, if, if all this talk of dragons and 666, if that's your favorite book, I don't know. Anyway, uh, so even if it's not your favorite, I hope our time in this book has made it a little less scary for you because I think a lot of people find Revelation, oh I don't want to read that, it's too hard. I hope you feel like you understand it a lot better than when we started. That's my my hope. Uh, But more than anything, I hope that Revelation's key and repeated main message is just sort of drummed into your head. And I hope it is because I've been saying it over and over and over again. What is that big message? It is Jesus wins. That is the big message of the book of Revelation. Or actually, I should say Jesus has already won He has done everything needed for your salvation and so because of that the second part of the big message is keep trusting Jesus. So I hope you've got that in your head. Jesus wins so keep trusting Jesus. That's what Revelation is all about. And so the point we've heard over and over and over again in Revelation is do not get lured away by the temptations of this world, the distractions of this world, the lure of Babylon, as it gets talked about in the book of Revelation. Uh, and do not give up if it gets hard, if you have to face suffering, if you have to face persecution in this life. Remember, Jesus has won the battle already. Jesus has died for your sins already. Jesus is now ruling in the heavens. He is in control. And like we saw last week, Jesus will return to bring a new creation, a new heavens, a new earth where we will live with him forever and in that new creation there will be no more death and no more pain and no more suffering and no more sin and no more crying and no more anything bad. We will live forever with our Lord, he will be our God and we will be his people. That is the Christian hope, that is what we look forward to. But I hope you've seen that Revelation is not just about that, not just about the future. People seem to think Revelation is all about the future, but actually it's about the past. It's about what Jesus has done already, as I've said over and over and again, and it's about the present, how life will be hard now, but Jesus is in control. But it is about the future. It's about our future hope as Christians, what we look forward to if we trust in Jesus. So, I hope I have drummed this in enough, if not over the last two terms, at least tonight, do not forget that central message, Jesus has won, so keep trusting Jesus. And so in this last chapter of the book, as it comes to an end, there are a couple of things God wants to have ringing in your ears as we finish. Uh, it's like a shotgun list, this last chapter. As you'd notice those and read it for us, it's sort of like bang, 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 all these things. But I think you can draw it together under two headings and that's what I've done for tonight. This is what God wants you to have ringing in your ears as we finish the book of Revelation. So heading number one is, these words are faithful and true. Just I hope you've got your Bible open there. Unfortunately with the COVID rules, one thing that hasn't been lifted is we can't hand lots of Bibles out but uh, we'll be doing that soon Uh, but uh, so hopefully you've got your Bible there or look on with someone near you but look at how important God thinks this is look with me verse 6 then he said to me these words are faithful and true then look at verse 7 he says the one who keeps the prophetic words of this book is blessed then verse 10 don't seal the prophetic words of this book just goes on and on. Then verses 18 and 19, the the very last words of the book almost, he says, I testify to everyone who hears the prophetic words of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this prophetic book, God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city written in this book. I hope you see the theme just by that sort of shotgun list of the number of times he says it, this is God's word. That's what he's saying. So this is faithful and it is true. Now that is true of any book of the Bible, isn't it? It's true of Mark's gospel, it's true of the prophet Isaiah, it's true of Romans, it's true of every book of the Bible. But here he's stressing, you need this book. God has given you this book. It is faithful and true, the book of Revelation, you need it. And so that means three things. The first is, if we listen to it, we will be blessed. If you live by this message, you will be blessed. If you know the truth that Jesus is the lamb who died for your sins, that it's told you over and over and over again. If you remember that Jesus is in the heavens now, ruling as it's told told us over and over again. And so that tells you, even if you face suffering, even if you face persecution, we must keep trusting Jesus because then we will have the blessing of eternal life. That's what he means by being blessed, by the way we'll be a part of the new creation that we read about last week. So through this last chapter there's just these little throwaway lines that just pick up on things he said previously in the book of Revelation uh, and they are all showing us what it means to be blessed. So one is there in verse 14, go to verse 14, he says, blessed are those who wash their robes, That's talking about being washed by the blood of Jesus, having your your sin washed away, you're purified by Christ. And he says, so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. So, what does it mean to have the right to the tree of life? Well, it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Do you remember? In Genesis, Adam and Eve could eat from the tree of life and they would live forever. But after sin entered the world, after Adam's sin, we were banished from the garden. But then in the new creation, there's not just one tree of life. Do you remember last week we read about it? There are trees of life everywhere in the heavenly city. And so the point is, it's a way of saying you will live forever with Jesus. You'll have the gift of eternal life. Trust Jesus, you'll have access to that tree forever. It says we can enter through the gate, we can enter God's holy city. That's the new Jerusalem. We saw last week in chapter 21, where we will live forever with God, where there's no more pain, no more sin, no more death. It's all about the blessing of eternal life. Jump down to verse 17. Look there, it talks about drinking the living water. That's another symbolic way of talking about eternal life with our Lord forever. You don't ever have to find a, you you must drink water to live. You don't ever have to find a tap again. You don't ever have to find a spring again. You have access forever. So the point here is, listen to his word, live by it, and you will be blessed. You'll be a part of this new creation. But also, the fact that these words are faithful and true means, the second point, it means we must not keep them to ourselves. Look at verse 10 again. It says, don't seal the prophetic words of this book, because the time is near. We'll come to the time is near point in a moment. The point here is though, you must not keep this book closed. I remember often Uh, people have these little uh, diaries or journals, and I remember they have little padlocks on them. Has anyone ever had one of those, you know, a little journal you keep and had a little padlock on it? And then you find it again, 15, 20 years later, but it's useless because you haven't got the key. It's sealed. You can't open it. And you sort of try and prise it apart to look and see if you can read the pages, but you can't because it's got a padlock on it. Well, he's saying, don't do that to this book. Don't just listen to these words and live by them yourself. You need to make them known. You need to share them with others. People need to know who Jesus is. People need to know what Jesus has done. People need to know that Jesus is coming back and they need to know that they need to put their trust in Him. See, we need to open these words and share them with one another. That's what we've been doing for the last six months. We need to share them with our brothers and sisters in Christ so we can encourage each other. Keep trusting Jesus, don't give up, keep following Christ. But we have to share it with our world, like Patrick encouraged us to just a minute ago. We have to share it with non-believers. They need to know Jesus is coming back to judge the world. Often we think, I want to share the gospel with the world because I know Jesus' love, but one reason is because Jesus is coming back. The, The judgment day is coming. People need the opportunity to hear the gospel so they can repent and believe, so they can find the hope that we have found. So do not seal these words, don't keep them hidden. And finally, the fact that these words are faithful and true means, the third point, we must not add to them or subtract from them. Look again with me. I read them before, but look again from verse 18. He says, I testify to everyone who hears the prophetic words of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. That means some pretty awful plagues written in this book. Then he says, and if anyone takes away from the words of this prophetic book... God will take away his share of the tree of life and the holy city written in this book. That is a sober warning, isn't it? He is saying, if you mess with this, not only are you harming others, and that is horrible, if you mess with this, you will be judged and you will miss out on eternal life. If you mess with God's word, you will miss out on eternal life. To put this in a positive way, God's word must be the final word in our lives or as some doctrinal statements put it God's word must be the final authority in all matters of faith and conduct so when you struggle with something in the scriptures when when you come across something in the scriptures and you say I don't think I don't I don't like that I don't agree with that we don't ignore that part we don't cut that part out we don't change God's word to fit in with our way of thinking we change our way of thinking to fit in with God's Word. Most, in fact, all false teachers never say, I am denying God's Word. No false teacher gets up the front of church and says, I don't believe the Bible. They say, I love the Bible. They just add to it. That's what they do. They say there's extra things you've got to do, not just trust in Jesus. You need, you need to know this extra bit of information. You need to know these other things. Or, more common today, they subtract from it. And this is modern Christianity all too often. I'll just cut out the bits I don't like. You just believe in Jesus, but, but you don't have to worry about that. No, no, no. If you believe in Jesus, you believe God's Word. You can't be a follower of Jesus and deny the bible add to the bible subtract from the bible this word is faithful and true do not do that do not listen to people who do that to follow jesus means to accept his word in its entirety so this word is faithful and true listen to it live by it share it and let it be the final word that now brings us to the second thing god wants us to have ringing in our ears as we finish this book of revelation and that is we must be ready for Jesus to return at any moment. Look at how many times again he says this, come with me, starts in verse 6, he says, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angels to show his slaves what must quickly take place. Then verse 7, he says, look, I'm coming quickly, Then verse 10, because the time is near, verse 12, look I'm coming quickly, verse 20, he who testifies about these things says, yes I am coming quickly. If you've missed this, there's something really wrong, you you see how many times he says it? The major theme of this closing section is urgency, this is urgent, do not delay putting your trust in Jesus and if you already trust in Jesus, do not dabble with giving up on Jesus. This is urgent. Now we, living 2,000 years later, we ask, well hang on, he doesn't seem to have come that quickly at all. Uh, Was this wrong? You know, what's happened? There's a couple of answers to that. Firstly, some people say, uh, some people think that the quickly take place there is meaning the start of what Revelation is talking about will happen quickly. So you know how Revelation talks about the rise of evil governments, the, the rise of false prophets, the persecution of the church. So that is certainly true and right. From the moment this book was written, it started. Everything it was talking about started. Second way people talk about this is other people say it means when it happens, it will happen quickly. So it will happen swiftly, if you like. So when Jesus returns, there will be no warning can happen at any time and that's certainly true it's like Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 look on the screen he says for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night See, the thing with thieves is you don't know when they're coming but when they come it happens it's just going to happen and so the point is when it happens it will be sudden and quick with no warning so that's another way of understanding the point here But the third answer was actually already given to us by the Apostle Peter 2,000 years ago, which is, this is in God's timing. So look what Peter says in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3. He says, First, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days to scoff, living according to their own desires, saying, where is the promise of his coming? So it's not a new thing for people to say, where is this return of Jesus you're talking about? They were saying it back when Peter wrote to Peter. So people were scoffing and saying, where is Jesus? And this was his answer. He says, dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. See the point? See the point is for the God of all eternity, for the one who was and is and is to come, for the Alpha and the Omega, for the beginning and the end, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And in fact, do you notice there, the only reason Jesus has not returned is because of God's love and mercy. Jesus' delay in returning is because of God's love and mercy. God wants more people to hear the good news. He wants more people to have the opportunity to repent and believe, to come to know Jesus, more people to be with us in the new creation. Do not ever forget the reason that this time we live in exists. This is the time for proclamation. It is the only reason God has delayed the second coming of Christ. The reason this time we live in exists is so that the gospel can be preached to the nations and all God calls can come to repentance and find faith and hope in Jesus. This is the time for people to hear about Jesus. And so putting all that together, the big point that Revelation wants you to get, that Revelation 22 wants you to have ringing in your ears, is there is an urgency to following Jesus. Jesus could return at any moment. There are no intermediate steps that have to happen. Jesus can return in the next five minutes. And so we need to live with that urgency. I remember hearing one person put it this way, they said, live as if Christ died yesterday, is ruling today and will return tomorrow. And I think that is how the book of Revelation wants us to think. Live as if Christ died yesterday, have that fresh in your mind the Lord died for your sins, live as if he is ruling now, trust that he is in control and live as if he will return tomorrow with that sense of urgency. Because the thing is, we so easily slide into thinking this world is all there is. We so easily slide into thinking this world is everything and then we slide into living like this world is all there is. You hear this in the way we talk, don't we? the way we plan for the future and plan 20 and 30 and 40 years ahead with no thought that actually Christ could return in that time. You hear it in the way people talk about when will their life end or when will their time end, when they die. A Christian shouldn't say that, a Christian should say when Christ returns or when I die because that's our timing, that's how we should be viewing the world. We need to remind ourselves constantly Jesus could return at any moment. And surely, surely that drives us to say, I want to be found trusting in him. Isn't that right? If Christ could return any moment, I want to be found living for him and for his glory when he returns. I want to say to you, if you are not yet a Christian, if you've joined us in recent times and you've not yet put your faith in Jesus, I want to say to you, sort it out now. Investigate it now. Ask your questions. If there is nothing stopping you Put your trust in Jesus now because he could return before you go to sleep tonight. That's how urgent it is. You cannot leave it till you get older. I talk to too many people and they go, yeah, 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 I haven't made up my mind about Jesus. I'll I'll think about that when I've got more time, when I finish uni, when I..." then they go to work, they're busy again. I'll think about when I retire. Jesus could return and you will still have not thought about it. You need to make a decision about Christ. Do not leave it until you're less busy. You need to be ready. And I want to talk to you. If, you if, if that's you, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Troy. Seek us out, but do it with urgency. And if you do trust Jesus, I pray, so many of us do, use your life well now. Now is the time to live for his glory. Now is the time to tell that person you love about Jesus. Now is the time to go and knock on doors and tell people about Jesus. Now is the time for people to hear the gospel and now is the time for you to live for his glory. There may not be a tomorrow and whatever you do, do not get distracted, do not drift away, keep trusting Jesus. Live like Jesus died yesterday, is ruling now and will return tomorrow. As we close, come with me to the very end of the chapter and the book and look with me at verse 20. It says, he who testifies about these things, that is Jesus, says, yes, I am coming quickly. But then notice the response. It's like John sort of can't help it. He just says, amen, come Lord Jesus. Jesus says, yes, I'm coming quickly. And John says, amen, do it tomorrow, come quicker. I can't wait. And that is the correct response. If you are a Christian, we should long for Jesus' return. When someone asks you, what are you looking forward to, what do you say? We might talk about all sorts of things, that holiday I'm going on, that, that trip I'm taking, that, that, that whatever it is in the future, no, the Christian longs for Jesus to return. And for so many of these first Christians, just imagine John having these visions in a cave in isolation on the island of Patmos because he's been thrown away out of his city because of his preaching the gospel. You can imagine he had no hesitation saying, come Lord Jesus. Those first Christians who their friends were being put to death for the following Jesus, they had no hesitation saying, come Lord Jesus, because they knew this world was awful. Because when life is hard and when you face persecution for your faith, you long for Christ to return. You say, amen, come Lord Jesus. You long for a new creation with no more pain and no more tears and no more suffering and no more death. And I'm sure that is actually some people here. I'm aware it is some people here. I know there are people here who have horribly hard things that they struggle with. Sickness, disease, mental illness, health issues, hurt and pain, broken relationships, constant struggles. I know there are many who actually have no hesitation saying, Amen, come Lord Jesus. But I wonder if for many of us we're not actually as quick and loud in our response because this world is not as painful to us and we actually quite like it here. We feel quite at home here. We don't feel like aliens and strangers as the Bible says we should feel. We sort of feel like very comfortable citizens in Babylon. If that is us, it's just a little warning bell. If you are someone who, when I say, Jesus is coming quickly, don't say, Amen, come Lord Jesus. You sort of say, I know i meant to say, Amen, come Lord Jesus. If that's you, it's just a little warning bell. It's a little diagnostic. It says, hang on, maybe I am too connected to Babylon. If when you think, what do I look forward to? It's all these other things. And if you secretly in your heart think, I hope Jesus doesn't return until, it's a little warning bell. It's a little diagnostic, because the thing, do you know all those things until they are nothing compared to the new creation? I don't care what it is you think you're looking forward to, it is nothing compared to how good the new creation will be. So if that is you, it just says to you, hang on, maybe I need to get my mind right. Maybe I need to spend more time in God's Word reminding myself of what really matters. Maybe I'm, I'm getting too caught up in the affairs of this world. We must not, or we should not, pray for suffering. We shouldn't pray for suffering we shouldn't pray for struggles we shouldn't pray for difficulty though God does use them to strengthen our faith but if we don't think and say wholeheartedly come Lord Jesus if we do not long for his return it should be a warning to us that we need to change something we need to change our perspective we need to hang looser to this world we need to get a bigger and better picture of what we look forward to. So as we close we're going to say verse 20 together. Uh, well I'm going to say the first bit and I'm going to invite you to respond and I want you to say it loud and proud in a minute. So let's say it. Jesus says, yes I am coming quickly. Amen. Come Lord Jesus and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all his saints. Amen.